Hello and welcome to Tabletop Treasures, the podcast about everything tabletop. We come up with stories, silly ideas, new enemies and bosses and everything for your tabletop. I'm Kieran. And I'm Ryan. And we're going to take you through a lovely little episode today. All right, so uh, today we're going to go through a store your hoard, everybody. Um, I'm going to come up with something and we're going to discuss it. So I'm thinking today for the store your hoard, and I actually want to get what you think of just from the title alone first, okay, right? Okay. Um, a planetary core bunker. What is that? A planetary core bunker. Okay. So immediately I'm picturing a hollowed out world that's been transformed into some sort of uh, sort of protective area inside the core of what I suppose used to be a planet. Is still a functioning planet? I'm not sure. So my idea for this, if we were doing a sci-fi sort of setting, um, having some sort of spherical ball that maybe your crew or person uh, flies or constructs, uh, it would it'd still be in a living planet. Um, I, I was thinking like it gets fired from some sort of capital ship and like launches into a planet and it's just like a tiny pebble compared to the planet. It's big enough to maybe have like a few rooms and stuff, but it launches itself and like just dives through like a planet's crust and then just sits in the middle of the core and it just then gets stuck there. So what I'm thinking for this is that you know, once it once it goes through all the planetary um I can't remember what they're called, but the layers of the planets. I know tectonic plates are a thing, but like there's names for that. I can't remember <laughs> yeah, what they yeah, are. Through the, through the layers. Um, but because like the pressure of everything, they would seal up like almost immediately as it goes through. So this is like you wanted to have a bunch of equipment, treasure, something that you don't want anybody to get. You'd launch it into the core of a planet. Okay, so we're we're taking space pirates to the extreme here, it feels like. Ah, oh, space pirates or um I've watched like a few cool sci-fi things like The Expanse and stuff like right, it could right. be they find uh, maybe you find a disease that like you manage to seal it to this one thing and you launch it into the middle of that so no one can get to it. Um Ooh, and then one day people do. Yeah, one day. Uh, it, it could be like some advanced AI, and the only way to make it stop connecting thing is thing two, two things. So connect chat GPT. Uh, <laughs> is launch it into the center of a planet. Okay, so in this in this scenario, what are we saying is the treasure? Is the this sort of mechanized thing itself the treasure, or are we hiding our treasure? Within no, I think you'd that. be hiding a treasure. My my idea for this uh, planetary core bunker is that it is an advanced piece of technology for sure, but not like like anyone could sort of build one. Retrieving them would be the feat. 
Right, right. Yeah, so it's the ultimate treasure hunt. So, yeah, like there's no reason to build them unless you've got something to put in them. That Them themselves are not, not, not easy to make, but like anyone with the resources probably could. Okay, okay. So what do we think then? I mean, I'm I'm immediately thinking about the kind of person who's going to, or not necessarily person, the kind of entity who's going to create something like this. Um, I immediately go to terraforming. But who, like, uh, who's coming back for this? Because you said it's it's quite difficult to retrieve it. So this um, is like a this is like a multiple generational thing, maybe. Is, is maybe, this something maybe. you set away for a long, long time? Like you don't think you're coming back for this if you implant one of these? Yeah, maybe a space pirate that um, wants to, or like some space millionaire, whatever it is, wants to like, no, no one's getting hands on my stuff. Like I earned this and my ungrateful kids aren't getting any of it. <laughs> I, I, okay, so I'm thinking it's giving me One Piece vibes. I'm not going to lie. We're talking space one piece. I, I love the idea of, I mean, maybe if this space pirate knows that they're dying or it's the end of their life or career, they sort of ride this missile into the core with their treasure, even if it kills them in the process. That that was the other thing I was thinking, um, was like someone just stocks up and is just like, Do you know what? I'm retiring and no one's going to see me again. <laughs> and then like, millennia later someone fight like the maybe the planet dies and they finally can break it open and there's just like a skeleton sitting there with treasure oh that's exactly that's exactly what i was thinking some intrepid treasure hunters thousands of years in the future crack open this vault in the middle of a planet and it's somehow beyond anyone's understanding full of treasure and a single pirate hatted skeleton that's a pirate space helmet a pirate space helmet is that some sort of how do you how do you turn a fishbowl into a tricorn? <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure. I'm sure you could do it. Can we have a segment where we design role playing hats? The hat Is that episode. Coming up soon? Yeah, we'll have a hat episode. Hat episode. <laughs> uh, I don't know how well we can do it through audio only, but we could definitely try and give it a go. That's theater of the mind. But that's that's essentially yes. What I'm thinking for this store your hoard. Now, I think, yeah, there's there's many ways you could do this. I don't know if you could transport this. You could definitely do it with like teleportation stuff, but like transporting oh, yeah. it to fantasy. Um, I, don't, I don't think it would be as interesting or work as well. Um, No, perhaps not. Unless you're the kind of person who likes to mix your sci-fi with fantasy because having fantasy adventurers stumble on this thing in all its science fiction glory could be interesting in itself. But no, pure fantasy, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't do much fantasy slash sci-fi stuff. Um, I should really do that more because that, that would be a cool mix. And just give your players lots of stuff to sort of roll off of. Yeah, yeah. Got a little bit off topic, but uh, I have a real fascination with inserting aliens into just any setting ever. My logic being that, like, if they could, if aliens could invade Earth in the modern times, what's stopping them from invading any time? 
problems. The the magical barrier. The magical barrier. Well, no, it turns out the thing that's stopping them from invading is uh, my players choose to do something else and completely miss all the cues I've put down that aliens are around. Yeah, uh, that seems experience. fair. You have to be really blunt with players sometimes. <laughs> and uh, that's okay. Uh, turned out they fought a mummy that episode instead, so no aliens oh, yeah. for them. I love and it. the aliens still haven't come back. So I guess in that sense, they prevented some sort of a Schrodinger's alien invasion by not looking at it. So, all right. Well, that gives me a cool idea, actually. Um, encrusted in this, uh, the planetary core, it's like some alien thing, lots of technology. Many years go by, all the space people do the inevitable space thing, wipe each other out, and all that's left are like lost tribes on the planets mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then I love enough generations go by they lose all the tech and like they go back to caveman style yep love it and then many years later they for some reason maybe it ejects itself the planetary core bunker and it reveals itself and it's like a alien mystery to these people I think like our times like they get they get to our sort of thing and then this mysterious thing just pops up from the planet's core see that's that's like the happy version of war of the worlds i mean the film version i think in the in the film version the alien pods had been there for hundreds or thousands of years before they emerged and this is an instead of alien tripods that use heat rays on everything you get a, a treasure vault just emerges on the surface one day it could also be heat rays I like heat rays. Well, I'm thinking we're not, about we're the not weapons. Telling you, you can't use heat rays. Uh, true, heat rays are always applicable. And um, what, what what I was really thinking about that, what that drove me to consider, is the mishmash of fantasy and sci-fi again. Um, there are so many legendary swords in fantasy, and I just I really love this idea that some intrepid knight has uh, stumbled on this sci-fi vault and found, I don't know, the equivalent of a lightsaber. And to them, oh, it's, it's cool. just this sort of otherworldly, like no one can explain why the sword works this way, especially if it's a low magic setting. And there's just this one dude who I, I'm sure would become king with a, you know, a fucking glowing sword that everyone else just thinks is magic. And he has no idea. He found it in some underground sci-fi vault with a skeleton. Yeah. So that, yeah. I would love to to do that. That would be a really cool campaign, I reckon. Um, Now, interestingly, you could also, as a player, this could be your origin story. Oh. So, like, maybe you cryo-freezed in the center of the planet, you come back up, and it's fantasy times, or, like, you're an AI that comes out of it. You had your mind transported to machines in the in the vault. There is a lot of potential there. The the person out of time tropes just immediately, you know, they sort of write themselves. Would you would you let a player if you were running stock fantasy, I don't know, Forgotten Realms, D and D or something like that, would you let a player say, My background is I'm a robot from space who was um, drilled into the core of the earth thousands of years ago? Would you allow it? Um, not with the, if I'm running pure fantasy, I wouldn't let the sci-fi parts, but I'd happily let them do that and would work out something else. Um, 
Okay, okay. So I, I'd almost let them do the sci-fi, but like we'd have to take it down a notch, like because like you get like the goblin tech and dwarven tech that's like yeah, can get pretty advanced machinery. So why can't it just be like that? Yeah, even if you do go the forgotten technology realm, the sort of Atlantis vibe where thousands of years ago this planet had slightly more advanced technology yeah, like, and it's re-emerging. Even if it was like Mass Effect style, because like they have like magic, I mean it's psychic, but it's basically magic. Or the psionics. Yeah, the psionics. So you could go that route as well. Yeah, right. Well, I think, I mean, we really are cracked open that vault of ideas i reckon there's a lot of potential there i like it good idea i yeah i'm I'm definitely actually going to put it in some stuff that i do coming up i think yeah i i'm just gonna um i'm gonna keep throwing little green men and flying saucers at my players until they fucking notice them (laughs) i love it so uh we've got a bit before the break so i've got a lovely surprise for you oh my god we have a listener discussion topic so oh, our last we? episode, we talked about um, rules lawyers and uh, our lovely listener, Mr. Picklehead, uh, said to me that... Fantastic name. It is. Um, they don't necessarily like to be a rules lawyer, but sometimes they feel they have to because they've designed their character in a way that's based on the rules. Yes, and if they, I see that perspective. If they change or they do some new house rule or something, then that might inadvertently make their character horrible or like just mm-hmm. change how it works. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I see this similar sort of argument with if you if you sort of hand wave combat, which I think a lot of modern players do, and myself included sometimes, um, then it you know, it sort of ruins the fun for players who have built their characters for combat. So it feels like that sort of vibe where you know, as fun as it is to go off the rails a bit, you are kind of disadvantaging those players who are built to maximize the rules. I do agree. Um, I think like it's still okay as long as you talk to them about it. Yeah. Well, I think, I think, look, communication is the most important. So many role playing game problems could be solved with decent communication, I feel. That's true. But. Yeah, so I, I definitely think that that is a good thing. I think any time that I've sort of, I don't try and hand wave combat because I really like the combat myself. Um, yeah, yeah, it's fun as a DM as well. But yeah, like any time I think I've changed stuff, like it's been very much like, hey, we're not using the gods, like, and it's kind of like campaign session zero stuff, like, hey, we're not using the gods from the book i've made up my own funny gods with silly hats yeah oh, oh it's setting stuff i change completely well i always run my own world so like yeah. really the only thing that you can get from the book is how to make characters and like the item charts <laughs> yeah yeah true and I'll, I'll even add like my own races and stuff in between oh that's something that feels like a topic for a future episode as well I want to hear I, about these. I'll definitely do that. All right. Well, Just thank fun. you. Thank you for your input, uh, Pickle. That's uh, really appreciate it. Um, yes. If anyone else has any questions or wants to disagree with us, um, send them into our Twitter or email. Yeah, absolutely. If you have hate mail, contact me directly. I would love to fight. 
<laughs> um, having said that, uh, should we check to a break then? Sounds good to me. Welcome back to the second part of our episode. Uh, I have one more thing to add to the uh, rules lawyering discussion. Oh. I think the only time that I did is with like my vampire story where I was like, I'm making a full alteration to this class to do it. But that didn't affect the other player. No. Okay. So like the only player it affected was the player I was allowing to do the altered class and it allowed them to play it and they wanted to play it. So that shouldn't have affected anyone else with what I chose to do. No, but that is interesting. It, um, it opens up a discussion as to whether doing something for one player indirectly impacts the other people at the table. I'm sure some people have some very strong opinions about that one as well. I guess so, but only if like you want to be the most powerful and if that's the case, then I don't think that's a good way to play anyway. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, let's yeah, we, move on to we our could next talk topic. About, yeah, we could talk about that forever. <laughs> do you have a gadget for me? Because I hear you do. I have a nifty gadget. So I have been using Obsidian MD. So that's like Obsidian, the, the black rock stuff, and MD, which I think stands for Markdown. A medical doctor? Not medical doctor. Yes, I've been I've been using a medical doctor in D&D. The sessions have been off the chain. Off, off the charts. Off the charts. Um, so Obsidian MD. I used to use uh, Google Drive, and I just had docs, and I managed my campaigns and my player stuff and like anything to do with D&D, really, in that. And that's fine. And you are, hang on, I'll hop in. You are an extremely organized person, just, just for everyone playing at home. <laughs> it's fine. I run, like, 12 companies. But... <laughs> Yeah, so so after a while though, like my problem with is I can be very organized and I will have all the stuff, but during a session it's hard to oh, I need to quickly reference that thing. I have to go through like four folder levels to do it. Right, right. Well, we've all been there. Not easy. Um I moved to OneNote, like Microsoft OneNote on the PC. Oh, I used that for a little while. Uh and that was better. Um, it allowed me to sort of do some linking. Uh, there was some nice top level folder stuff. The thing that was better than, uh, Google drive for that was each of the pages. I could drag an image to really easily and like format each page with like some tables and stuff if I needed to, which definitely came in handy. Uh, but what I've moved to recently is basically like, one note the difference is i can sync this all the files in it with my google drive so it syncs over my laptop and my computer which one note does as well if you do the microsoft account thing uh, i find it just a little bit more uh annoying to set up hmm. it can be a little bit cumbersome but with obsidian um <coughs> sorry uh with obsidian i find it really good. Like it has all that top level stuff. So I, I've got my stuff organized into um, essentially the first, the very first thing I have is session notes. And then I just have like session zero down to you know, 512, whatever, whatever the uh, session thing is. So um, 
for the most part, I've only had to like go back in those, like go back like 50 sessions or something like once or twice when someone like references in something really old. Um, and that, that's always just going to be a manual process. Like, yeah, cause you're course. like, Oh, what, ep- what, not what episode, what session did we fight that fucking <laughs> behemoth thing? Like, but for the most part of the star sessions, I'll just check like back through the last through session notes and be like, what did we do? Okay, cool. Um, just to sort of refresh my memory, especially for people that the party meets, I find that really good for. Yes, I could not agree more about that one. I lose track of my own NPCs basically the minute I stop talking about them. Now, what's really cool about Obsidian MD, I click on a session. I can also bring up a second page which has like this spider chart thing and it will make lines to all the other, like it makes like a web from this session to all the other things that it connects to. Like they talk to this character. I can click on that character's page. They went to this place. Like it starts making this web of like what this session was involved in. And I can go to each of my, my notes for those things, which I find really cool. And it's the same for all the other stuff. So I've got um, my places folder, which has all the different places I've got. um, Usually like if I have a town, I'll have like all the NPCs in that town doc. But if I've got an important NPC, they'll have their own page, especially if they've got their own like storyline and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Or I'll have uh, in the the NPCs thing, like a family. So like there's a Royal family that has a bunch of people. I'll chuck, I'll give them their own page just to make it a bit easier. Um, Then I've got a players folder. Um, And what's really cool about doing this with the players folder as well, I can click on a player and if they've made any important relationships or they lived in certain places before they were an adventurer or anything like that, I'll have all that linked up and I can, I can quickly, if especially if I want to throw something in for a player that, um, I'm like, oh, I want to I involve their backstory. And so yeah, I can say, hey, here's a quest at that place that you lived or like um, you find a rumor about uh, this person named insert name from backstory. It allows me to very quickly do that kind of stuff. Whereas mm-hmm. with the previous two things I had, it was a lot more, I had to know where to look and I had to sort of look it up. And when I say it took more time. Like it would take 30 seconds to a minute, which isn't long, but when you want to try and keep the game running, I feel like the, the sort of web of content Mm -hmm. feature that obsidian has, is just really good for that. Like, cause I can just sort of travel through the nodes really quickly. Okay. So you're talking about using this in game while you're playing. Uh, I always, yeah, I always make sure I have my notes and stuff in like all this stuff in game. Because I, yeah, yeah, right. I don't have the best memory, mm, but I want like, I want to provide a world where um, it feels like I know what's going on. <laughs> I think um, that is one of the that, that's one of the major traits of a, of a game master is everyone is just making people think you know what's going oh, on. Oh yeah, like I I think even like the best. GMs don't have it as together as they make it look like they do. Oh, no. You see what, what you know, their they're best selves ordinarily. Exactly. So what I'm hearing is that Obsidian 
uh, helps you be your best GM, sort of facilitates that? It allows me to take out the labor of quickly finding information. Yeah, okay, and sort of supplements having a less than perfect memory. Exactly. And okay. I'm I, I think these notes I, I have, a, I have I a pretty good memory um, for this type of stuff, especially my own world building, but like it's just not perfect. I don't think anyone's really is. Yeah, no, um, I, I have a terrible memory. So this, you know, <laughs> anything that can do this sort of thing sounds fantastic. Yeah. my So the, the one thing that this doesn't solve for me and nothing I have has solved it for me is at the end of a session, I need to write everything in that happened in the session. And sometimes I forget like, what was the person that I got them yeah, to talk to? Yeah. Like, it's things like that that I just don't do, and I don't particularly like writing up stuff during the session. Yeah, I try to avoid that as much as I can. I've actually tried um, transcription software on occasion to, to record the whole session to a less than less than great results. But I, yeah, like unless I unless you got like a full thing. proper recording setup, I don't think that's going well. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, as a, as a as a memory jog, more than more than a decent certainly not audio recordings that i'm gonna be putting anywhere but what i mean is um i certainly understand the use of uh like a tool like this to to be able to track faster and to be able to return to places um it sounds like the interconnection is one of the primary features here just being able to jump between related things yeah the related content node web i don't know what they call it but like that, that is its strongest feature for me in this setting, in the setting of being a GM. So I find, yeah, that, that has just improved my, um, play a lot. Uh, I think it's good to keep note that I've been playing most of my campaigns online recently. So it is easier to use when you don't have a bunch of people staring at you in real life. That makes sense when you're not, uh, they don't see your eyes darting back and forth uh, on your laptop screen like uh, they, my players so often do. When I say, hang on, give me a second, I need to open my own Wikipedia to see what's going on. So I think that would, you say Wikipedia, that's what it sort of reminds me of. Like you've got the, like, the stuff that connects to the stuff that connects to the stuff. That's what this software remind, reminds me of. It's just got a nicer interface for it. Yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense because one of the first things I looked into was, you know, sort of wiki, wiki-like software and um, whether or not it's worth having your own sort of – that sort of directory. But this is, I guess, filling that same niche, it seems like, with just a lot more utility. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think you're going to actually get more – beautified content in a Wikipedia thing, but you're not going to get that speed of write and read. Yeah. Okay. So you're, you're going for, for utility over form here. Yeah. Cause, Cause I use it live. If I didn't use it live, I'd be, I'd probably take a very different approach, but what I need is I need to be able to look up stuff quickly so I can help my terrible memory. Yeah. Perfect. Um, so, so, what would you say to people who are thinking about using Obsidian? If they're, say, using OneNote currently, what really, really makes it worth the, the jump for you? Um, 
two things. I found it a much cleaner UI. Um, I felt OneNote. It depends. If you use every single feature in OneNote, then you should probably just stay with OneNote. But I wasn't. I was using it to put data down on a page. And Obsidian does that great. It does it in Markdown, so you can you can prettify it quite a lot. You can make tables. It does all that stuff. And then its ability to map data is just much better than OneNotes. That also being said, it has a lot less features, so it runs just it's snappy. Like it it just feels like every page is so instant. Um Using Google Drive, that's definitely not the case because everything is cloud, so it takes that like buffering time between pages. And if yes. you get the wrong page three times in a row, like you're taking time. Even even outside of a gaming setting, I um I often struggle to use to use Google because it really just does feel quite cumbersome to move between things, even between moving between sheets and docs, I feel like takes an eternity. I agree. So I I use drive for a lot of business stuff and it is just good for that. But like sometimes it is just, if you're going moving between a few things, it's, it's Mm. time consuming. Fantastic for storage, but yeah, exactly. Um, But that's, that's what you get with it. Okay. Well, I'm happy to hear that this is sort of, uh, th- this tool has, has improved your your GMing experience. Yeah. So other things I will say about it, yeah, if you're not a Microsoft person, it works on other operating systems. You don't have to pay for anything. It's completely free. And they do have a, a cloud storage thing, I, but because it stores everything as just a, a flat text file, like it just makes a folder structure that it imitates and then stores everything in a text. But like you can use OneDrive, Google Drive, Dropbox, whatever you want to store this and it's going to work between computers and it's not going to get corrupted. Yeah, which is fantastic. It was very nice to know. Um, I suppose I have a question that when you say when you say different operating systems, um, is there any sort of, look, up and coming role-playing world i feel like mobile phones are playing a bigger and bigger part can i use it on my mobile can i use it on android i actually don't know that being said i wouldn't it okay it has too much going on for a mobile phone (laughs) i think as a player you are going to need something that stores things very efficiently and uses right. the screen real estate really efficiently. Having a dock software where like you have to spend a lot of time doing the formatting yourself isn't a great experience on a phone and, and it just can't be. Which okay. is where I think like the player character apps that manage all that stuff for you is really good. Okay. Now yeah, as a G- perspective. Yeah, as a GM, like I, I think you just get the the luxury of being able to have be the one that has the laptop at the table because yeah, you've got six million things to think about. Yeah, so okay. I think that, that that that's where I sort of land on that. Yeah, that is very interesting. And I guess my only other question then is: speaking of player facing, this is for the GM's benefit mostly. Is there any way you would present any of this information to players? Like, say. 
you know you have an NPC, is there any way to make some of that information available to them without making all of it? Because I suppose not, you would not have through secrets. the software. Like you okay. can just copy the you can just copy the text from a thing and give yep, it to yep, them. Yep. And that's that's what I've done before. I did use like like Dragon Wolf or something a long time ago where like you had a whole world. It was like a massive wiki thing. You could put interactive yeah, maps see, I've in. I've heard about software like that. Um, and you could say, all right, this this page of the wiki is public to the players. And like it, it is very powerful, but I did not have the time to set it up. It's the same thing we were talking about with like the maps on the um, online tabletop software. Yeah. Like you can set them up so well, but the, the time commitment to do it, it just, I don't have it. Yeah. It often doesn't wind up being worth it for a casual game. Yeah. Like, on top of me having to get the content for the sessions ready, I then have to like do a lot of designing around how do I present that content in this case? Cause like you've got a, and like I give maps to players and stuff. It's not like I don't do that, but when you got to make the map, give it to the players, link up all the Wikipedia pages to the different sections on the map so they can click it. And it's all interactive. Like it just adds layer upon layer of stuff to do. Okay, so Obsidian feels like it does one thing, but it does that one thing extremely well. And yes. in the context of TTRPGs, it is probably that one thing is fantastic GM note-taking tool and note-retrieving tool. Exactly. What would be really cool is if I could nerd out a little bit and maybe hook API calls up to it. So like I could say, go on to uh, a city page and play that city's theme music or something. Okay. Cause when you started talking about that stuff, I'm thinking about this as a backend database for a front end website that the players can access. So if I'm filling out notes in obsidian, uh, there is some sort of front end where my players go, Oh, who was that NPC? And, and in some capacity, this acts as, as that, but yeah, I suppose that, that's a whole cool. different. That's a whole yeah. different pool game, I think. So it makes it in Markdown. You one hundred percent could do that. You could have a mm-hmm. WordPress website in front of it that just loads the Markdown and presents it. Okay. Oh, so that's interesting. That could be something. Well, look, it sounds like a great tool. Um, we've managed to speak about it for almost twenty minutes, so that sounds. Uh, that sounds good. Um, payment, what's it worth to you before we before we uh, wrap up for today? Do you pay it's for it? The f- it's free? Yeah, that, that was one of the lovely things I said about it. That's good. Oh, I must have missed that one. <laughs> yeah, I think the only free. thing, you, you can pay for a subscription and you get like cloud storage and stuff, but yeah. it works so well with the other ones, like you just don't need to. Yeah, um, right. I so might just start paying for it because I like it and like I have money. a few coins, yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, that's just free. That's fantastic. That's not often you, uh, not often you can get away without just a mandatory subscription service these days, to be honest. So that is extremely refreshing. All right, well, cool. Thanks for letting myself and uh, the listeners know about Obsidian. Sounds like a great tool if anyone wants to check that out. Um, I think you mentioned earlier that's obsidian.md. That is also their website, I assume. Uh, if it isn't, I'll put it in the show notes. Fantastic. So if not, it'll be in the show notes, but, um, been lovely hearing about it. Been lovely talking to you. Uh, 
and uh, I hope everybody enjoyed listening. Um, if you want to check us out, you can find us on Twitter at uh, TTRPG Treasures, as well as I'm sure some other places. Um, thanks for listening, and go get that treasure. <laughs>